verses that talk about the difference between believing in versus believing on and learning of versus learning from or about. But believing on and learning of him whom God has sent requires fellowship with God. It's one of the things that if we don't get much else said tonight, I really want you to see from the Word of God that the things that we need to know the most can only be learned through fellowship with God. There is only so far uh, human thinking and reasoning and intellect can take you, even if it's God-inspired. You realize that you can sit under and listen to some of the most doctrinally sound, godly men and women teachers, but never see for yourself, um, because again, there are things that you will never see, that you'll never know, that you'll never understand, that'll never be revealed to you unless you learn them and understand them, and they're revealed to you through fellowship with God. So that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, we're going to continue to look at this subject. It's a big subject, and it's different in the sense that things that are spiritual in nature must be understood by faith. They must be understood with the heart, not just with the human mind or, or brain or reasoning. And in Jesus' case, he taught us parables to help bring us close to the truth and wisdom from his world, from heaven. But because we're living in a physical world and God is spirit and his truth is spirit and, and eternal, the two, in other words, flesh can't inherit spirit. That there's, there's always going to be a gap between the two. So when Jesus would tell a parable, he would bring the truth from heaven close to mankind, but just like a dock, you, know, you may be standing on a boat dock and a boat would come close to the dock and slow down, you'd still have to take a leap of faith to jump in the boat. And that's the way, that's the, way the, the things of God are. Um, if, if you wait until it makes sense to your natural mind, um, you're gonna be waiting a long time. But that doesn't mean check your brain at the door. That doesn't mean, you know, just look the other way and wink, wink, nod, nod, pretend like something's true that's not. No. It's, it's something that's spiritual in nature, which means the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to us and has to help us connect with it. I heard an old-timer say it one time this way. He said, some things are taught and some things are caught. Amen. And when it comes to the fellowship of God, the Word has a lot to say about it, and we're going to teach on it. But if, if anyone is ever, us included, if anyone is ever going to fully grasp the understanding of it, it's, it's going to be by faith, and it's going to be caught. Amen. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal it to us. So, quick review. We said fellowship with God is your number one purpose. And all other purposes are not only secondary, they are dependent upon your fellowship with God. Any understanding of your reason for existence that doesn't begin with fellowship with God is at best incomplete. The scriptures teach that you were created by God in the image and likeness of God so you could have fellowship with God. 
And then we said last week that God is an eternal community, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, dwelling in absolute communion. And communion means sharing and exchanging. When Jesus served his disciples, what we now call the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, they were celebrating the Passover. And this was something that had been carried out for generations among, um, you know, the Israeli people. But on this particular Passover, when Jesus broke the bread, he explained to them that that bread represented his body. And he told them to eat it. And then he said the cup represented his blood that would be shed for the remission of sins and for them to drink it. So communion then is an expression, an outward expression of an inward reality that we have become partakers together with Jesus, that we have um, experienced an exchange from him. He became our sin so that we could become his righteousness. He became poor so that we could become rich. He was beaten with a whip so that our physical bodies could be healed. So communion at its very essence is speaking to sharing and exchanging. Think of common union, common union. Not a personal, not a private, not a secretive, uh, not an exclusive, but a common, a common union. Common doesn't mean, as it relates to God, um, like cheap. You know, sometimes we say, well, that's just, that's just common there. That's not that big a deal. That's not, no, couldn't be any more special, but still common at the same time. So, you were created by God for fellowship with God. This means the eternal community that is God created you to have an equal share in their common union. This word equal is um, critically important to the understanding of fellowship with God. Well, for that matter, fellowship with another human being. And I know that sometimes starts making people nervous but before we, you know, we're going to get there and we're going to explain it, but, but we see very clearly in Scripture that we have the same access, for example, to the Father as Jesus. We have the same love from the Father as Jesus. We have the same inheritance from the Father as Jesus. And we will and can go on and on. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. All, all of these uh, words and verses are expressions of fellowship and, and what's required for fellowship. One more time, you were created by God for fellowship with God. This means the eternal community that is God created you to have an equal share in their common union. Now, the scriptures teach our being made one with God. And I know this sounds so, you know, strong to a lot of people, 
hopefully not to you. We've talked about these things at different points and junctures along the way here at Heritage. But again, that, that is a requirement for fellowship, oneness, oneness. True fellowship among God's children requires that same oneness. That's why he saw to it that we were all born a second time from the same seed and how he created in Christ Jesus one new man from the Jewish race and the non-Jewish or Gentile races. Again, oneness, fellowship. And the devil hates it, by the way. The devil hates it, by the way. He hates fellowship of any kind. He hates fellowship of any kind. He does not want husbands and wives to fellowship. He doesn't want uh, fellowship between fathers and their children and mothers and their children. He doesn't want fellowship between uh, uh, fellow members of the body of Christ. It's something that Satan lost when he got full of himself and rebelled against God. And, And now he literally like a like a spoiled brat is trying in every way he can to deceive us to trick us to hoodwink us into not understanding and settling for something far less than our birthright as God's sons and daughters which is the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus himself enjoys I know I've said this before I'll say it again and I'll probably say it a bunch more times I didn't make this up. This wasn't my plan. Remember what God said in Ephesians? He said that he uh, makes decisions based from the counsel of his own will. He, he didn't consult outside sources and you know, get a team of market research people in to see what they thought and, and take some surveys and some internet polls. And, no, no. This is, this is our Father. This is who he is. This is what he desires and this is why he created us. It's why he created us the way he created us. Compatible, his image, his likeness. Compatible with him requires comparable to him. And we see this in creation. We see where God said it's not good that man should be alone, should be by itself. And that he said, God said, I will make a helper comparable to him. Comparable to him. Comparable, again, means to stand opposite to and face to face with. Meaning one with the ability to see eye to eye. Which, again, speaks to the agreement, the harmony, the oneness, and the sharing. That is fellowship. So fellowship is not possible without comparability you can have relationship without comparability but not fellowship now I want to bring another word up on the table tonight and that's the word companion companion means one of a pair of things intended to complement or match each other And last week, explaining the comparable helper that God created that we know now as woman was to stand opposite to and face to face with 
Adam, not in opposition to, but a, a counterpart, if you will, a companion, if you will. And so a companion, one of a pair of things intended to complement or match each other. Pay attention to that word complement there. This, this word is, is not spelt with an I. A compliment spelt with an I would be, man, that's a nice shirt you have on, Daniel. I like that. that I'll be giving him a compliment. Okay? This is compliment with an E. And compliment with an E has to do with the way two things make one another more fulfilled, two things paired together um, add to and increase the benefit, the, the, the enjoyment, and the pleasure uh, as opposed to what one could produce without the compliment. Amen. Are you just what I mean? Are you, I'm not trying to trivialize this. Listen to me now. I'm not trying to make light of this. But, it, you know, peanut butter and jelly, right? Um, chocolate cake and cold milk, uh, steak and a baked potato. In other words, I'm using worldly examples here to try to help illustrate something that's otherworldly, but we see that, that these are pairings. These are things that, that work well together, okay? Um, a, a nice steak cooked correctly is, is good, but Man, you complement it with a, with a good salad and a nice baked potato and some iced tea. You, you see, you, now all these things are working together. Peanut butter is good, jelly is good, but man, when you put it together between two slices of bread, it's otherworldly, right? It's, I'm being, being silly. It, it takes it to another level is how I should say that. So something being complementary, not in the sense that, you know, God says, hey, you know, I like the way you you fix your hair, that would be a compliment like him complimenting something about you. God created you to be, be complimentary to him and for him to be complimentary to you. Let me, let me try, let me, let me say this another way, okay? Um, God enjoys life more with you than he would without you. Amen. Amen. I lived 20 years without being married to Pam, and now almost 36 years being married to Pam. And I like being married to Pam better. Are you understand what I'm saying? I'm, so I'm not trying to trivialize her to say, because that, you know when we have a personal relationship mindset, which we'll get into that hopefully tonight if we have time. We don't fully understand, like, it would be very easy for someone to, to not understand fellowship but think it personal relationship to be confused by something like when I say Pam is complimentary to me, okay? Because it would give you the impression like that, well, she just, you know, a tag along and makes my life better when I need her and that sort of thing. No, no, that's not it. Opposite to face-to-face, -to -face, a companion. We have fellowship. Why? We do life together. We do life together. And as much as we can 
do together, we do together. That's true. Amen. Now, it's, obviously, she has responsibilities, I have responsibilities, and, you know, but, you know, given the choice, drive to Jack's on Saturday morning and get a biscuit without her, or drive to Jack's on Saturday morning and get a biscuit with her, I would, I would prefer her going with me. Amen. So, when we say that, that God created us to be a complement to Him, that's not to say that He couldn't make it without us. Are you, are you what I'm saying? But He sure does enjoy having us. So, a companion, one of a pair of things intended, God, see, God intended for him to make your life and your existence better and for you to make his life and his existence better. This, this, this common union that makes things better than they would be without the other party. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And God's all about it now. If you don't know that, you need to know that. He's all about it. Now, we did not look at this verse yet. There are some key verses in the Scripture that speak directly to fellowship. We looked at a couple of those last week, but we did not get to this one yet. And we'll circle back around to some of those others, if not tonight, in, in the future. But I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. I'll put it up on the screen. Here the instructions are, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, the devil, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? That word part there is, is speaking of a common portion. A common portion. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. The Word of God is multifaceted wisdom. When we teach on the gifts of the Spirit, for example, we see that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is answering questions and bringing correction to some things that were out of line and misunderstood at the church at Corinth as it related to the public um, use of spiritual gifts among them. And while the intended direction of those words were to bring correction, for example, he says, you shouldn't just stand up and start hollering out in unknown tongues because it's confusing to people who don't know this because when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, he speaks to God. Okay? So notice now, he's, he's bringing correction, but we can also see from that statement that when we pray in an unknown tongue, we speak to God, right? In other words, there, so it's, there's, there's more than one takeaway, there's more than one bit of instruction um, in all of that. And so 
as Paul is bringing correction, he's also, by the Holy Spirit, bringing revelation and understanding. He talks about, you know, he said, I pray with the Spirit, I pray with the understanding also. I sing in the Spirit and, and sing in the understanding also. Um, it's, you know, so, but he's saying, when I'm with people, I would rather speak words that they can understand so that everybody can benefit. But again, from that we see, okay, if a man, he, how about this one, I like this one, he says, he said, if a man gives thanks in an unknown tongue, he does well, he gives thanks well. You ever like, felt like English words of thanks weren't enough? Well, guess what, you don't have to just use English words to say thank you to God. And you can give thanks to God very well in an unknown tongue. But the initial reason for Paul writing that was to bring correction and, and, and understanding. So the same then could be said of these verses. Obviously, there are issues in the church at Corinth. Um, these people weren't raised up in, in the church. There wasn't even a church for them to attend. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they came from generations of idol worship. They came from generations of, 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 of heathens and, and doing all kinds of, of, of things. And now they're, now they're saved and full of the Spirit, and that church is growing, it's booming, but there's a, a lot that they don't understand. And so there was a lot of correction, and there was a lot of instruction that, that needed to be offered. And so here, you know, he's explaining to them, you don't, you don't need to be, you know, fellowshipping and, and all these things with, with people who are out in the world doing all this. And, 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 but as we, I'm not, it's not reading between the lines, but if we just take a really thoughtful and considerate look at this, we see that this entire passage is ultimately about fellowship. This is a fellowship passage. As a matter of fact, look at where it ends here, the ones we looked at, verse 16, where God says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That is fellowship, man. I don't know what it was like exactly in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned, but we know that God had a common practice of coming in the cool of the evening and walking among them, and they heard His voice, and they communed with Him, they fellowshiped with Him, and we see that that was God's heart from the beginning, and it's still His heart to this day, and even connected with these words of instruction and correction, the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to include this promise from God, this desire from God. I'll dwell in them. That's intimacy. I will walk among them. Companionship. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, the passage begins in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked. I should have put a picture of a yoke in my notes for you, but I think you understand. I can kind of draw one in the air. It's a, it's a farm implement that's kind of shaped like this, and it usually has a, a curvature on it. Then it has chains, or even I've seen them bent wood that goes under. And the idea is that two oxen or, or, or two mules would get on either side of that yoke, horses, and the yoke would join them together to work together and pull together and something 
they would complement one another. And it's a biblical principle called synergy. In the Greek, it's synergio. We get our English word synergy from it. And the idea behind synergy is that two working together can produce more than the sum of their individual effort. Are you following what I'm saying here? So I try to sometimes illustrate it this way. If, um, if, if Brother Terrell can produce 10 units of work and I can produce 7 units of work, you would think that Brother Terrell and I working together could produce 17 units of work, but it's not that way. If you take his 10 and my 7 and combine them together, now you get to 24. We can produce more in fellowship. Come on now, are you seeing this? We can produce more in fellowship, working as one, two men working as one, can produce much more than if we, you know, divide our efforts and do not work. And, and, and by the way, have you learned enough by now that you enjoy the work a lot more when you have somebody, when you have a companion with you to do the work? For the first, um, I don't really know how long, I don't want to throw a time frame out there. It was a good little while. Um, in my cabinet business, you know, it, it, it was just me. And um, Brother Johnny King, i never forget, he's like, he started helping me out every now and then, and he wanted to, he wanted to go to work. And I, I was scared to say scared. I was, I, it was a big commitment. I mean, he had a wife and kids, and, you know, I, I wanted to, be able to bring him on full time and but you know sometimes you'd have a lot of work sometimes you wouldn't just getting started and he finally told me he said look I'm not I'm not going to continue to work where I'm working I mean I'm either going to work for you or I'm going to work somewhere else and I said well, let's go man let's take a step of faith together and oh it just it just made the work so much more enjoyable to have a brother you know yoked up together and, and doing the jobs together and got them done faster and just enjoyed it more and then see this is this is fellowship this is fellowship. And the devil, did I mention the devil hates it? The devil is the one behind isolation. The devil is the one who, who, who wants to bring separation. The devil is the one who, 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 who wants us to feel like it's us against the world and, and, and we're just out there, you know, on our own and all these other things. Man, that is, that is not the truth. That is not uh, the heart of God or the desire of God. Now, he says, do not be unequally yoked. Deuteronomy 22 and 10 gives us a picture of, as a matter of fact, a command from God. God said, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. So this would be an example of, of being unequally yoked. Now, the ox and the donkey are similar but not comparable. So we've got to understand the difference here. And as we've mentioned on several Wednesday nights in a row now, we're, we're you know, painting in some lines against the baseboard. We're, we're not just rolling and putting a bunch of stuff out there. We're trying to really provide the, the definition and the, and the finished uh, picture of, of the heart of God. And Sometimes we can be deceived into thinking similar things are comparable. But similar and comparable, not the same. Not the same. And the devil wants you to substitute similar 
or comparable, something that's almost or, or you know, some cheap substitute for the real thing. So there are similarities between an ox and a donkey, but they are not comparable. In other words, the, the ox and the donkey are not a match. They cannot stand opposite to and face to face with one another. Let me, let me say it one, one last way. The ox and the donkey do not complement one another. What, what is the complement to an ox, another ox? Preferably another ox roughly the same size even. We, we get to that um, comparability. Now, go with me and we'll finish here tonight. Matthew chapter 11. Did you get anything out of this? Amen. I, I am, um, man, as is the case when we, we launch off into, into new stuff, um, I, not that I'm going to, but if I quit studying now, I think I could probably preach through the summer with all the notes we got on, on this. It's, just, it's, a, it's a very vast and deep subject. It's an important subject. And so I feel compelled to get up here and just, you know, fly through it and tear off in it. And, and yet, I, at least initially, I feel like the Holy Spirit's just saying, pace yourself, take your time, lay the foundation. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. Amen? All right, so Matthew chapter 11 Normally when we turn to Matthew chapter 11, we begin at verse number 28. Tonight I want us to begin at verse number 25. And I think you'll see something very important here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. It's very important right there. First of all, I want to point out to you the fellowship that exists between the Father and the Son. And notice that the fellowship that they enjoy means that no one knows the Father the way the Son knows the Father, and no one knows the Son the way the Father knows the Son. You think, oh, crying out loud, Pastor Mark, they're God, of course. They... No, no, see, again, we're talking about, remember we said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Fellowship is to the Godhead like holiness is to the Godhead. In other words, we, God is holy, 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 and He is fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. Amen. If you take holiness out of the Godhead, He ain't God anymore. You take fellowship out of the Godhead, they're not God anymore. Fellowship is central to the very existence of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in mutual love and exchange and sharing with one another. An eternal community existing in absolute communion and they created you and me to take part in their eternal community. Man, man what an honor as Brother Donald said. What an honor. So the fellowship that exists between the Father and the Son means that they know one another. And now we see that the knowledge that the Son has of the Father, He is looking for someone, come on now, to share it with, to reveal it to. He's wanting to reveal Father. 
<laughs> Come on with it. Amen. So this is what leads up to verse 28 where Jesus says, so come to me, right? Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now what do we see, what do we see in um, the Second uh, Corinthians passage? We see that yoke and fellowship go hand in hand. Remember he said, he said, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because righteousness and unrighteousness have no fellowship. There's, there's no comparability. There's no commonality. There's no companionship. These, these two things are in opposition to one another, but they do not stand face to face with one another. They're not a match. They don't complement one another. They're at odds with, They're pulling in opposite directions to one another. But what we see here is that the yoke actually is even representative of fellowship. When he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because righteousness has no fellowship with lawlessness, he's saying that to try, and as a born-again believer, to try to fellowship with someone who is not born again is, is an effort at, at, to be unequally yoked. So remember now, the mule and the ox do not belong in the, in the same yoke together. Shouldn't be put together to pull the same plow. And he's saying in the same way, the unbeliever and the believer should not be yoked together for that same reason. In other words, he's saying there is no common union, there is no compatibility, there is no complement, there is no agreement, and therefore can be no fellowship. Now, I want you to think for a moment what this means. Get emotional here. God forbids unequal yoking, and Jesus invites you to be yoked together with him. Now, either God's violating his own command, which we know he would not do. It's impossible for him to lie. If God says putting a, an oxen and a, and a mule together under the same yoke is inequality, it's, un, it's being unequally yoked together, and he forbids it, and then Jesus invites you to be yoked together with him, do life together with him, rub shoulder to shoulder with him, experience companionship with him in life, to share and exchange, and for you to compliment him and him to compliment you. Are you following me? My thumb compliments my four fingers. Are you... Amen, They're, they work together. My hand is better because I have my thumb. Are you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is better because he has you. Now, that may be strong, but just praise God. Now, the context of this passage is often overlooked, which is Jesus revealing hidden things and revealing the Father to the one whom Jesus wills to reveal him. Now, let's not forget where we were for the last six or seven weeks, okay? Hebrews eleven six, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
Seeking him is seeking autos himself, the person of God, the essential being of God, knowing God. So when Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him, do you see how yoke and the fellowship it re- do you see how his yoke and the fellowship it represents and makes possible provides the means for sharing and exchange sharing and exchange let me say it another way jesus does jesus have revelation of the father that we don't have yes but is he being stingy with it no he wants to share it with you in the same way that Jesus spoke of and pointed us to his Father, and then Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak of himself or point to himself, but he will point to me. Do you see the, the fellowship there? Do you see the, the sharing and the exchange? How each member of the Godhead is focusing on orbiting around and drawing attention to the others, not themselves. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So the yoke that Jesus is offering us represents fellowship. And it's that fellowship that makes possible and provides the very means for the sharing and exchange. Jesus is talking about revealing things only known by him and the Father to those who are in fellowship with him. And know here means to have full and intimate knowledge of. Now, there were quite a few. Oh, was that me? Wow. I was probably bearing down on it too much right there, so I apologize. I thought it was a truck outside. I'm like, man, somebody needs a muffler. I didn't know I needed a muffler, praise God. So we see words, yoke, communion, accord, part, agreement. Remember you ask all those questions in that passage to the Corinthians? All of these are Fellowship words. Amos 3 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Stand with me. What's the best advice we could ever give anybody? Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. So here, here's the bottom line the things you really need to know can only be learned through fellowship. The things you really need to know can only be learned through fellowship. Man, that's so important. That's so important. What do you think God meant when he said it's not good for man to be alone? (laughs) I mean, God is a good God. He created everything in the Garden of Eden and said it was good, 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 and then very good. But then he reverses course. He says, wait a second, this is not good. This is not good. I believe our spiritual growth 
is so connected to fellowship with God and with God's people that no matter how much we learn, how much we study, how many Bible verses we memorize, we will only grow and develop and mature in the things of God to a certain point. There, there are things that can only be learned by experience, and experience means fellowship. We see it in the, we see it in the Old Testament how, you know, brothers sharpen one another in the same way iron sharpens iron. Copper won't sharpen iron. They're not comparable. Are you seeing this? And you talk about um, different plumbing pipes and how you join those together. Dissimilar metals are, are doomed to fail. They're not comparable, not compatible. Anybody remember when we got the great idea to start wiring houses with aluminum? We realized that was not the best thing to do. It's not, it's not the same. It's, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't complement. And so in, in, the, in the same way, it's not that God's like withholding it. We know he withholds no good thing from us. But amen. I think you got it already. We we tend to keep people at a distance in life. And that's that's getting Listen, we've never been more connected and at the same time more divided than we are right now on planet Earth. I mean, I could, I could have Pastor Cornelius' face on my iPad in, in less than 60 seconds in, in Kenya right now. I mean, that's, that's a connected world, right? But see, again, this is where we've substituted relationship for fellowship. You know, we, friends have now become something on Facebook. I'm not bashing all that. It has its place. But it becomes a problem when it becomes the substitute for the real thing. Because again, there are some things you will never learn unless you learn them in fellowship. It's, it's like the guy who never married trying to teach everybody how to do marriage. I'm sorry, dude. You know, even if, if you're telling me everything from the Bible, Right? How many of you thought you knew what marriage was going to be like and then you got married? Amen. That's, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But it ain't the same. As, as matter of fact, I tell young couples, you know, you know, a lot of times women have, you know, their white picket fence idea of marriage and men have their white picket fence idea of marriage and they usually aren't the same at all. So somebody's fixing to be disappointed, Right? Because this ain't how you think it's going to be. But we've got to figure out what it's right so we, we can get the comparability, the compatibility, the companionship. And there's, a, there's some things you can, only, you can only learn through fellowship. Amen. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, thank you for these faithful, precious people, Lord. How you love us. Father, how you long for us. 
Oh, Lord, that we would long for you the way you long for us. Father, thank you for the fellowship opportunities that we have with you and the things that you want to pour into us and through us through that beautiful, beautiful fellowship connection that you have with us. Lord, thank you for your love. I ask that you reveal yourself to these men and women in personal, meaningful ways, that everything we touch prosper for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You're loved. Thank you again for being here tonight. I hope this is speaking to you. I appreciate the feedback that I've been getting from some of you. You have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you on Sunday, if not before.